0: COVID 19, vaccinations, nanotech tattoos, and the mark of the beast. Welcome everyone to this special edition of Hidden Headlines. I'm Brian Sussman. There is a passage in the Bible that we're going to start out with in this special edition that has attracted the imagination of believers and even non-believers throughout the ages. It involves a person referred to as the beast. The beast is a global dictator who will attempt to rule the world in the last days. This is found in the book of Revelation chapter 13, specifically verses 16 and 17. It reads like this. He also forced all people, great and small, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hands or on their foreheads so that they could not buy or sell unless they had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of its name. This passage, as well as other portions which name the beast, by the way, Antichrist, so the beast is the same as the Antichrist, were written by a man named John. John was a disciple of Jesus. He was a close friend of Jesus, for those of you who have read the Gospels, and specifically the Gospel in his name, the Gospel of John. He's also known as the Apostle John, and in some forms of Protestantism, and I guess even the Catholic Church, he's known as Saint John. John was a Jewish guy, And he was the man who wrote a good chunk of the New Testament. The question is, was John history's first original conspiracy theorist? Or are we witnessing something today that is, in fact, prophetic truth unfolding before our very eyes? Because it's John who talked about the mark of the beast something that would be placed upon the right hand or the forehead of all the people so that they could not buy or sell unless they had that mark. And this is a future warning to a generation to come. Beware. Don't take the mark of the beast. So I go from that to this. I'm talking right now about COVID-19. Yes, I know COVID-19 is real. My 24-year-old son in Switzerland had this version of the flu for nearly five weeks. Five weeks. 24-year-old, sick for five weeks. He's never had a flu quite like it. He finally did recover from his bout with the virus. Now, biologically, we know this coronavirus is unique. And for a slim minority, thankfully, a slim minority, it is deadly. In fact, a very good friend of mine lost his dad to the illness just last week. And what was really sad about that, my friend is a very well-known doctor in Chicago. Very well-known. He had to make the decision. His father was on a ventilator. His father was in a coma. And they had to make the decision whether or not to pull his dad from the ventilator. Uh, my friend thoughtfully and lovingly and with great medical wisdom decided it would be best to take him off the ventilator and allow him to die. My friend knew that um, getting off the ventilator, his father would die almost immediately, and the dad did, and he also knew if he were to be lingering on the ventilator any longer, he was not going to live. He made the decision to pull his dad, but the really sad thing about all that. Even after he made the decision as a medical doctor, he was not allowed to be in the room to be with his father as his father passed. New information regarding COVID-19 is flowing in daily. And much of it is purposefully being censored by the mainstream media. Folks, I worked in the mainstream media for years. Those of you who know my story... I attended the University of Missouri Broadcast Journalism. After going to school at the University of Missouri, I became a news director at a small ABC TV station. I know how the news biz works, and I worked for CBS in New York for a period of time as well. Um, I've been in the news biz, working in the mainstream media for the better part of four decades. I know how things work, and I know how they like to censor certain stories. And COVID-19 is one of those stories that they've been manipulating. Now, there's a blog post that I published on March 27th over at BrianSussman.com. I squarely laid blame on the virus eruption on China. This virus's eruption began in China. Now, days later, a few big media outlets, as well as some conservative members of Congress, also began to point the finger at China. I, I certainly wasn't the first. I was just one of a few voices out there crying in the wilderness, pl- pl- uh, laying blame on China. This is about the same time that Donald Trump started calling it the China virus. And by the way, what what is wrong with calling it the China virus? We've always done this throughout the, the course of of history. I mean, otherwise liberal comedian Bill Maher on his Friday show, this is, I'm recording this on Sunday for publication either later today or Monday, but he said this on his Friday program. He was talking about the the COVID virus, the coronavirus. He said, quote, new rule, You can't yell at someone for breaking a rule that you just made up. Scientists, who are generally pretty pretty liberal, have been naming diseases after the place they came from for a very long time. Zika is from the Zika forest. Ebola, from the Ebola River. The Hanta virus, from the Hantan River. There's the West Nile virus, the Guinea worm, the Rocky Mountain spotted fever, and of course the Spanish flu. MERS, M-E-R-S, stands for Middle East Respiratory Syndrome. So why should China get a pass, asked Bill Maher. But this is the way the media is playing ball right now. They're all marching to a certain utopian drummer. And I'm really glad that Bill Maher sees right through it. But let's talk about this a little further. No one at the time when I made that post on March 27th seemed to go quite as far as I did. I wondered if this disease was specifically created, perhaps with external aid, and launched by the communist government of China purposefully. I mean, China does have a biological warfare program that's well known. Fortunately, many are now acknowledging that this may have indeed been the case, including some members of the mainstream media, and as I mentioned, some members of Congress. Now, since that post in late March, we've all witnessed the astounding ways in which society has observantly stepped in line with the mandates made by the various government mechanisms worldwide. It's now way more than face masks and social distancing. And some of these new mandates and regulations are, come on, quite frankly, just plain senseless. For example, I live near a very broad half-mile-long public beach in California. This time of the year, there are very few people on the beach. The, the weather's just not, it's not beach weather. Very few people on the beach. And and I would, and this is the case in most beaches in Northern California. But even if there were 500 people on this beach, which, by the way, would be pushing it even in summer, even with 500 people, the beach is so expansive that social distancing would just be the norm. However, this beach, like all of them in this region, and I think all of them in the state, is closed to people. It's now being patrolled by armed state park officers who are driving up and down the sand in these massive Ford 250 pickup trucks. Anyone found on the beach will be ticketed with a hefty fine. I believe it's up to $1,000. Meantime, Just south of us, there's a narrow beach adjacent a steep cliff that's accessible only by stairs. It's also a super popular surf spot. Now, due to the coronavirus, all the stairways are taped off with yellow tape, and those beaches are closed to the public. No surfing allowed. However, the sidewalk that leads to the stairs and rims the edge of the cliff is busy with walkers, runners, skateboarders, bicyclists. Everyone, for the most part, seems to be keeping their distance from one another, except for those who are couples and families. So I'm just asking this question. How long before the government outlaws the sidewalks? And if, when they do, guess what? I think everyone's just going to go along with the program. So this leads me to some statistics that I tried to post on Facebook. This was really interesting. I tried to post this three times and it was taken down immediately by Facebook each and every time. I finally came up with a very bland, benign version of the post. But what I initially said was this. This year, 2020, 1.3 1.3 million people have died from cigarette smoking. Nearly 500,000 have died from HIV/AIDS. The coronavirus has killed 108,000 people this year. Why aren't the governments tackling cigarette deaths with the same vigor as COVID-19? And why aren't they clamping down on the spread of HIV? Perhaps it's because fighting cancer and AIDS, remember there is no cure for these diseases, is a big business that employs many thousands and requires drugs that make pharmaceutical companies and their investors lots of money. And then there are the 11 million babies who have been aborted worldwide this year. That's right, aborted worldwide this year, a figure that delights the anti-population zealots. Is there something more sinister at work, I asked? Well, since that post, again, I put up a benign version of that uh, because I couldn't post the real thing. And I've updated all those numbers for you in this particular podcast just to make them more relevant. But since that post, I've been thinking about the very many influential people in this world who believe there are too many humans on the planet. In fact, I woke up two mornings ago with this rattling around in my brain, and I've been working on this ever since. So who are these influential people? Well, they include Bill Gates. Bill Gates, for example, hosts regular gatherings to discuss the issue of too many people on planet Earth. He's one of these prominent persuaders that sees the bulk of humanity as nothing more than peons, peons who are incapable of making proper decisions that will benefit the whole. As such, people like Bill Gates desire to reduce the number of people on the planet for easier control and management, management of the masses. Now, all you have to do is read the literature of those who have espoused such views in the past. People like Hegel, Malthus, Marx, Lenin, and more recently, Paul Ehrlich from Stanford, somebody I wrote extensively about in both my books, Gate and Ecoterity. You read what they have to say about the population at large. You read what they have to say about people with lesser brains. And you'll discover that these anti-population zealots are are also determined to eliminate personal freedom and civil liberties because they're convinced people like you and me are too irresponsible to enjoy such privilege. In other words, they have the better brain. And because they have the better brain, they have a responsibility to the world to make sure that people like us are marginalized, minimalized, and maybe even taken out of the equation altogether. In essence, these utopian progressives desire a new, globalized, one-world order fueled by a cashless society, empowered by a handful of massive corporations, and tightly controlled through, are you ready for this? Artificial intelligence. So let's talk about this coronavirus. Bill Gates has been warning about a global pandemic for years and his solution to the current crisis is developing a COVID-19 vaccine and then mandating its insertion into the entire human population. But wait, but wait, there's more. In September 2019, so this is just a few months before the COVID-19 first appeared in China. This was at a summit held in New York City. It's a, it was a summit known as ID 2020. ID as in identification. ID 2020, sponsored in parts by in part by Gates. It was a new project announcing. The Exploration of Multiple Biometric Identification Technologies for Infants. I'm actually reading from the program. Exploration of Multiple Biometric Identification Technologies for Infants based on, quote, infant immunization. Now, the goal is to eventually have every person on the planet identifiable through a unique digital implant that could be updated with personal data over the course of one's life. Now, I'm not, I'm not making this up. According to ID2020 and their website, quote, in order for digital identities to be broadly trusted and recognized, we need sustained and transparent collaboration aligned around those shared principles along with supporting regulatory and policy frameworks. In other words, they're saying, listen, we know this In the wrong hands, this could be abused. But trust us, we're really, really smart. Now, for anyone who may be wondering what broadly trusted and recognized might look like, researchers at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, MIT, have developed what is essentially a high-tech tattoo. This is all for real. They've developed a high-tech tattoo consisting of an invisible dye that has the ability to store data under the skin via nanotechnology. Now, this unique mark would be delivered together with a vaccine, most likely administered by Gavi, G-A-V-I. That's the Global Vaccine Agency that, by the way, also falls under the umbrella of the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Here's the quote from MIT News. The researchers showed that their new dye, which consists of nanocrystals called quantum lots, emits near-infrared light that can be detected by specially equipped smartphones. And again, it's interesting to note that this study at MIT was funded by the Gates Foundation Now think for a moment about what is currently and presently occurring regarding this coronavirus social distancing shutdown When a vaccine is finally developed for this variation of the flu I mean it's it's a really bad flu but it's it's the flu Getting the vaccination and showing proof that you have indeed received the vaccination might provide your only way to get on an airplane to travel in the very near future. But we don't want you on a plane. Are you kidding me? In that fuselage, you haven't had the vaccine? Oh, my gosh. Proving you have the vaccination might be your only way to not just get on an airplane, but maybe get into a a stadium event a ball game, a concert, or maybe even a movie theater, or any public venue. Even a day at the beach might require having your tattoo scanned by the armed state park police. Having a COVID-19 ID card, well, that's too clumsy. I mean, you could you could lose it. And there's potential for fraud. Way too high potential for that. But a nanotech tattoo, oh, much more savvy, sophisticated, especially to the younger generation that has no problem relinquishing their personal privacy. So now let's go back to Mr. Bill Gates. This is just a couple of weeks ago. He was interviewed on CBS this morning. Interestingly, a show that employed me from I think about 19, probably. 87 to 1992, I was a regular on the CBS Morning Show, broadcast nationally from New York City. CBS's Anthony Mason was interviewing Bill Gates, and he asked Gates when we would be able to safely, quote unquote, open up the country for business again as usual. What does opening up look like, Gates asked rhetorically. What does it look like? Which activities, I'll, I'll use. I'll give the entire quote here, what does opening up look like? Which activities, like schools, have such benefits and can be done in a way that the risk of transmission is very low? And which activities, like mass gatherings, maybe in a certain sense are more optional? And so until you're widely vaccinated, those activities may not come back at all. So he's saying unless we've been vaccinated and he's therefore implying unless we can prove that we've been vaccinated, we're not going to be let into events like that going forward. Now, according to Gates, anything could be defined as a mass gathering, really. Even an act of civil disobedience could be uh, a mass gathering. But you'd have to have the vaccine, And then there's another thing that I've been thinking about, the exchange of cash. Here in California, I believe it was in the late 90s, I witnessed government bureaucrats successfully mount a campaign to diminish the use of paper bags in grocery stores. They claimed, we need to save the trees. So instead, we were persuaded to use recyclable bags. And if you wanted a paper bag, you had to pay extra. What most people didn't realize, at least here in California, the way it worked was uh, if you did decide to buy a paper bag, it wasn't going to some recycling fund. (laughs) It was just an extra stream of cash for the store. That's the way all of this worked out. So if you didn't want the plastic bag, you'd have to buy a paper bag. Then about 10 years ago here in California, they started telling us that the use of plastic bags was, was not working because they weren't being properly recycled. And they were inundating the landfills. So the new push was to convince shoppers to bring their own reusable bags. And that's what people, at least here in California, do on a regular basis. People bring their reusable bags. They're generally made of plastic uh, with nice designs. Or perhaps they're made of cloth in any case, I've always thought they're just filthy. Unless you're washing those things or cleaning them out a regular basis, they've just got to be like Petri dishes. That's what I've always thought. But now, during this current crisis, the stores are turning away customers who bring in the reusable bags. And they're demanding that these customers use store-provided paper bags. Because the reusable bags are said to be filthy germ spreaders, and the plastic bags, the recyclable bags that they've been trying to get us to use or demanding we use all this time are also germ spreaders. Now they want you to use paper. So I ask this question. If reusable shopping bags are so dangerous, what about reusable coins and paper currency? Hence the coming requisite for a high-tech tattoo complete with the balance in your bank account in order to buy and sell. And I can hear the utopians now. Well, it'll stop counterfeiting, money laundering, other financial crimes. Of course, this is what we want. So you'll have this nanotech tattoo complete with information regarding all your vaccinations, your health history at large, I'm sure, your bank account, Probably, of course, in the name of diversity, your ethnicity. I guess it would have the sex you were born with, but if you decided to change that, that could be updated as well. My guess is the probably be something about your religion in there as well. And your personal beliefs. And oh my goodness, well, of course to vote, you're going to need one of these tattoos, so we'll know your party affiliation and your political beliefs as well. Sound overblown? Well, let's go to March 24th. Bill Gates was interviewed by Chris Anderson. Chris is the curator of the nonprofit that conducts the popular TED Talks. TED Talks. While discussing what the future would look like in a post-COVID-19 world, Bill Gates stated, quote, Eventually, what we'll have to have is certificates of who's a recovered person, who's a vaccinated person, because you don't want people moving around the world where you'll have some countries that won't have it under control, sadly. That's Bill Gates, implying that you're going to have to have proof of your vaccination, a certificate. But again, a paper certificate that could easily be counterfeited. A paper certificate could be lost. Oh, but a high tech tattoo. And what else might the global persuaders secretly incorporate into the vaccine to better control the population? Hmm. Well, they can be trusted, can't they? Hidden Headlines Special Edition. More at bryansusman.com. By the way, I'm on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Brian Sussman Show, even though I am shadow banned. My Twitter feed has been shadow banned forever. Uh, I usually only, all I post on my Twitter feed are uplifting bits and pieces of scripture, and I have no, I have a few followers, but I follow no one because at the end of the day, I only follow one. And thank God, He is in control. Hidden headlines. Thanks for joining me. If you enjoyed this, please share it with another fellow traveler. I'm Brian Sussman. God bless you, my friends.